0: Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. Welcome, everyone. My guest today is lead analyst Logan Motoshami to talk about the existing home sales report and what that means for the housing market. Logan, welcome back to the podcast.
1: It is wonderful to be here, Sarah.
0: Okay, we got the existing home sales report, and you wrote an article for Housing Wire that said the savagely unhealthy housing market is back. Ah, that's terrible.
1: Yes, just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in, and uh, for those for those I don't don't know what the savagely unhealthy housing market it's it's been actually an ongoing premise since the kind of the end of the summer of 2020 um uh, back then you know inventory levels had broken to all-time lows and then what occurred was uh you know understanding how credit channels run inventory channels and you know, with years 2020 to 2024 being the biggest housing demographic patch ever recorded in the history of America, it was not a good spot to be in. Uh, but what occurred in 2021, which is which is funny now to think about it, um, everybody thought, well, nobody listed their homes during COVID. So with 3% mortgage rates and, you know, 2021, people are out and about doing their thing, uh, we'll, we'll get a massive increase in listings. didn't happen, right? New listings data was trending at all-time lows. Demand was good. It prevented inventory from rising. And then October of 2022 was, you know, the big concern is if demand picks up again, seasonality, demand rises into a low inventory uh, seasonal period, prices can escalate. And that's what uh, January, February, and March of 2022 was. It really is remarkable how during this three-year period, even with a global pandemic, it was actually uh, 2022, that was the most chaotic year. It wasn't COVID. Uh, COVID 19 recovery model was pretty simple, just people going back to what they were traditionally doing. But here, you know, it was February of 2022. And I said, that's it. I'm done. This, 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 I think we, were, we ran as high as 75% of the market had like multiple bids. And it, it convincing people that this wasn't cause rec- record breaking demand, this is just too many people chasing too few homes. Uh, nobody would believe that because rates were low, and they said once rates rise, this is all over. Uh, and you, you know, the second half of 2022, we saw month to month price declines. We saw a waterfall dive in uh, demand, and days on market actually grew uh, past 30 days, which I was very happy about. Right uh, for somebody who. who loves to see balance that that was a good thing but then mortgage rates fell demand stabilized even with rates at seven percent here uh the market is slow and uh, uh demand is still stuck near 21 century lows or near 21 century lows but we're back to a teenager market why because the active listings data didn't really grow much. Uh, uh, And in that case, you're just dealing with too many people chasing too few homes, and you get back from over 30 days to uh, uh, back to a teenager level. So those are the rules. I don't change them. Um, You know, I'm never, never, never endorsing any housing market that has days on market uh, at a teenager level or under. You either have a massive credit boom, which is going to lead to a credit bust. We don't have that, of course, or you have too many people chasing too few homes. And just with basic visual skills, anybody could see this, what's going on here. We have 330 million people in America and active listings, even with the biggest crash ever recorded in history are still near all time low. So that is why we brought back the savagely unhealthy housing market, because we're back to a teenager days. And so, you know, somebody asked me a good question on Twitter, you know, do you have a historical reference to this? And I said, yeah, you know, you sh- you show the charts of median days on market, and it was a lot higher. And back in you know 2011, it was 101 days. That's how long it took to uh, 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 sell a home. And now we're 18. Last year at this time, we're at 16 days. I think the all time low was 14. So, uh, just you know, it it w- when you when you talk about something for so many years and something comes back to your model, then you just have to stick with it unless you g- want to create something that says doesn't, uh, doesn't imply. And yep. Savagely unhealthy housing market, too many people chasing too few homes and sellers are buyers and people are just, uh, staying in house.
0: I think it's interesting because people, I, I'm glad you defined it because people would define savagely unhealthy as different things for some people. That's Uh, You know, affordability, like when the affordability got so bad for some people, it's whatever. But to you, it's like there's a problem when a house cannot stay on the market for for longer than, you know, 19 days, because that that shows other weaknesses. And it could be a a variety of things. In this case, it seems like it's just inventory, correct?
1: Yeah, I mean, it. It was a hard concept for some people to get because they just think we had record breaking demand last year or in twenty twenty one. And we never there's no like massive credit boom like we saw from two thousand two to two thousand. This is why, you know, when I when I do those purchase application charts, there's always a black line drawn from two thousand two to two thousand five. That was a massive credit sales boom. We cannot have that kind of market. Um, but there's just people that just say, No way, when rates go up. The whole thing the whole cars are gonna f- uh, fall down and it just uh, not the case so now that we had the biggest collapse in history in home sales and now that you know home sales right now it, we they were up zero point two percent month to month but they're still trending at twenty first century lows i mean if, you, if we took it this year just the new home sales and existing home sales i mean we're near five million total home sales if we had to if we had to close it today uh um it's still, that's near five home sales, five million home sales a year, and but the it's not what we saw. Where existing home sales were at seven point two million on the monthly prints in two thousand five. So the days on market being this low just shows that there's just not enough product available. And when sellers are buyers, and then if you have first time home buyers coming in, they take some of the homes off. They don't provide one. You just you get stuck, and that that's the whole. The whole concern, we, we've we talked about this for years. My concern is, is housing getting stuck because the credit inventory channels were heading one way for over 10 years. Nobody cared about it. But here, um, you know, the homeowners are just doing r- good. You know, we we just spoke at uh, Gathering of Eagles. And I think, you know, presenting those data lines in that historical context um, you know, and just saying that people are living in their homes longer and longer. Everyone's uh, homeowners are, have just very low total housing costs. And it, it, it's not the turnover that people uh, w- would think. So naturally, when demand stabilizes, here we are again. And I think, again, we track weekly data because we believe that if you want to be old and slow, then you wait for the monthly sales data. If you want to ignore forward looking data like a lot of people did, then we're sitting here in June. I think one of the national uh, economists talked about, I I don't understand why people think housing's recovery. There's going to be a huge home price crash, right? It's, 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 uh, you know, prices follow after the collapse of demand. That doesn't work. That model doesn't work, right? And there's a difference between economists, stock traders, and pure housing people because housing people track housing daily weekly and they put all the variables into it so you don't come here near july the 4th and say what's going on how did this happen because the market doesn't care that you're old and slow doesn't doesn't they simply it is a it is a group of millions and millions of people and and and, an intricacy of of uh, bond markets commodity prices the world doesn't stop because you don't want to follow data so now that we're here we're like whoa we're back to 18 days. That's crazy. Yeah. Uh, and it's not because home sales are booming, right? Home sales have been trending lower for for months now after that one big print. It's just because product is not available.
0: So give us some historical context on number one, what a normal and let's say normal market would be. Let's Let's go to 2019. Would you say that's a normal market and talk about a couple of things? How many homes were sold in that year? And what was the inventory like in that year? Days on market, all that stuff. Like compare this to what you think is a, the last healthy housing market.
1: So 2019 was so near and dear to my heart because uh, home prices on, on an adjusting to inflation basis, the equivalence of rent, were actually trending negative. That, that is a, that's like as perfect as you get. Like if it, In my perfect world, home prices would grow negative year over year, but on a nominal basis, I realized you you would still get some growth. That that was like tame. There was uh, days on market were over 30 days. Uh, we had 1.52 to uh, 2 million uh, active listings. That's perfectly fine if days on market are over 30 days. This is why I always say, I just, I just want the 2019 inventory back because I actually wasn't a low inventory person in the previous expansion. A lot of people who know me, I, I've written about that. I never believed in the low inventory holding housing back uh, I, I call it nonsense you know it's just when you have a low inventory problem the days on market collapse and home prices escalate out of control that did happen uh, after 2020 but in the previous expansion i mean historically like two to two and a half million active listens this is nar data this is not uh, altos the one we use but that's normal days on market 30 to 45 days you know in some cases over 60 days I think the the one adjustment we do have to make um over the last 10 years is we're doing loans a lot faster uh than we we used to. We can close transactions like in 11 business days or less. That wasn't the case back from 2008 to 2012. Sometimes it would take, you know, 2-3 months to close a loan. Uh and that's why the days on market back then was over 100 days plus demand was weaker. So We've become more efficient and faster in closing transactions. So part of the decline in the days on market is that. But here it's 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 not the case. We're not back to 2019. Like my life would be so much easier if we just get back to 2019 inventory. Like I'm easier,
0: I, I, but but maybe boring, right?
1: Well, uh, listen, boring is good. We've talked about this. <laughs> boring is a good thing, <laughs> right. right? It's not. It's not. But you know, some people make this. Oh, if we get back to 2019 levels, housing is going to crash. No, it's not. We we had like like here's a here's a good example you know um somebody asked me about the Altos data uh, at uh, gathering eagles and i said they said well inventory is up so much well we we had 240,000 single family homes in march of 2022 that's it uh we have 451,000 um back in 2015 we had 1.2 million were home prices crashing then and then the person, like, something clicked. They're like, wait a second, you're right. Yeah, we almost had three times more active listings back then. Were home prices crashing? No. Uh, there's an equilibrium between supply and demand. And, the, you know, of, of course, in 2007, you know, NAR data was 4 million. And now it's a million. I mean, the, the NAR data was actually negative year over year on the active listings. Uh, they, they track data a little bit differently. Um, oh, we when, have the, when
0: was it negative?
1: Uh, this this report, this report, the year over year inventory was negative. So, uh, and again, I, I try to get people to focus on this downtrend in inventory since 2007. Like I have a that long black line drawn from 2007, going lower and lower. Um, so, so I just feel more comfortable with the housing market if we just get back to 2019 levels and days on market over 30 days, because people have choices. Right, and now that we've seen the biggest home sale crash ever recorded history, now that we've seen credit data look good during this whole thing, we could we could give up this fear about you know massive home price crashes, foreclosures. Bank, you know, uh, I think the fascination and o- almost the um, illusion of happiness for two thousand eight for bearish American citizens you just gotta just let it go and just go with the data. And we track this weekly for a reason. So if something turns. We can't miss it. We don't want to be six months later, oh, guess what's happening? Week to week, day to day, we bond markets, purchase assets. We put them all together so people have a better understanding because November 9th, everything changed. (laughs) And I'm still trying to convince people today, Sarah, that this all started back then. I can connect the dots because why? We want to be the detective, not the troll. And I'm seeing economists like, today or yesterday saying wait a second what's going on how's this and the data's already turned and uh um you just you know 500 years ago sarah you had to dispatch horses and you have to go get information that could come 3 4 months later because the horses got to come back your riders have to come back and it takes time i get it <laughs> you can be 6 months behind right um You have access to the internet and your phone can give you data within seconds. You don't need to dispatch horses. And this is why it's just, it's almost appalling to me that some people are still thinking it's the 2022 second half market and they're, they're surprised. And it's, it's not like some Twitter trolling nonsense person. It's, it's economists, you know, it's a, wait a second, what's going on here? So. Uh, it, it's in a sense it's complicated, but if you follow the daily and weekly data, the forward-looking data, connect the dots, it makes sense. And I, I, not a, this is not a good thing. This a uh, I, I, savagely unhealthy housing market. I try to make the most straightforward term ever. Um, too many people chasing too few goods, and it's it's a hard problem to solve. And we just had the biggest home sale crash in history, and uh, it, it didn't solve it.
0: Right. Um, so one part of the, for other people, savagely unhealthy is also, you know, just the mortgage rates that we're, we're trying to uh, see lowered. What has the Fed said? Uh, what did they say this week? So we are recording this on Friday. This goes live on Monday. Um, what did they say this week? And what do you interpret that to mean? Especially because we have some uh, around the world, you have, you know, other central banks uh, raising rates. So what do you think is going to happen? <laughs> <laughs>
1: You know, speaking on that topic, um, in the UK, you know their their Federal Reserve or their Jay Powell said, you people should stop asking for raises. What's wrong with you? We're trying to defeat inflation. stop asking for raises. So other countries are de- like the, the UK is dealing with a lot of inflation that we're, our, our growth rate of inflation is falling. So the Fed is kind of now, okay, maybe we have two more rate hikes um some people say we're done some people will be calm some they'll they'll make up terms that I'm uh, you know uh, i i just need to watch the data at this point but we're we're kind of toward the end or the end here here in america so i think over overseas there are other countries that are you know trying to uh defeat inflation by uh, okay w- they were going to stop and now they're rehiking and you know everyone is uh uh getting to that level so Remember, global yields to a degree fall with each other. So I think mortgage rates and the 10-year yield to me looks perfectly normal. Um, I think the front-loading of inflation data, and just remember that the 10-year yield was lower when we had 9% CPI inflation last year. So there are other things that are working with this channel. Um, and the Fed is really okay, maybe we have two more rate hikes. That's it. Maybe, you know, but it's it's what happens next. And again, for me, it's all about the labor market. It's labor market and jobless claims. Right? That was the whole premise. The channel holds within that. And it wasn't like it wasn't tested, Sarah. I mean, we had we had what eight different times try to break that Gandalf line. Uh so the labor market is what I'm tracking. And You know, there's the leading economic index today, or uh, that was in this week. It it looks so recessionary, but I I, I stress to people, when I did the risk six recession red flag model, when I wrote it on the day, I said, two things can help this expansion because demographics are different and credit uh, balance sheets are different. The growth rate of inflation falling check, energy prices falling check. That's a benefit to consumers um uh the fed stopping uh uh, fed rate hikes no that hasn't happened yet maybe we have paused that now so keep that in mind and then cutting rates when the labor market gets uh uh, weaker we're not we haven't got the labor market weaker yet or we're not in cutting bond yields going back and forth and mortgage rates stabilizing stabilized housing um so it's it's I, I know people are frustrated with rates, but to me, it just, it looks perfectly normal. I think the the big variable this year was the financial banking crisis that, that changed everything, uh, and made the mortgage spreads worse. So I think that's the, that's the new thing. That's if people are frustrated, Silicon Valley bank and those people, right. Um, uh, that's, that's, that came out of the woodworks and that was the reason mortgage rates are still higher than they should be. But, um, Again, I can make a case that the ten year yield should be much higher, and mortgage rates should be much higher today than it is, so uh I don't do it because it's not part of my forecast, but people can can surmise that where the growth rate of core inflation is, you know the ten year yield should be higher it isn't it's to me it looks perfectly fine, so uh, we have to deal with this. Uh, the I think I, I don't know anybody who's talking about a reacceleration of inflation here. The growth rate falling is perfectly normal with all the forecasts, and now comes the disinflation factor of shelter kicking in. So it's hard to reaccelerate. It's interesting because Larry Summers, who who says we need to have higher unemployment to defeat inflation, which I I am totally against the Summers camp or anybody. He talked about oh my God, look. Rent inflation is cooling off. Wow! So that's uh, it's heartening. Of course, it's cooling off. It's it can't sustain those levels. That's going to be the story for the next twelve months. It's you know, if energy prices keep on going lower, and I, I think there's there's a limit to what what that does because you know uh, everyone doesn't want energy to crash. You know, we we could work through this and and see if the ten year yield can break lower without having a job loss recession, just a cooling down of the labor market. But as of now it it looks normal to me so I, I i sarah if i was here on december 31st 2023 you know what i tell you it's the same forecast <laughs> right i don't i don't because there is like the end of the year i don't go okay the calendar year has changed here we go no i mean uh the previous expansion i, I it was the same thing 1.63% i mean it's not very exciting channels they're not supposed to be but um labor uh, the jobless claims data has accelerated from the bottom there are states that are showing higher jobless claims. Now you could say some of this is fraudulent stuff but in any case the labor market is not as tight as it used to be but it's not cracking yet so uh, that's why i focus so much on labor this year that's why it was part of the forecast the growth rate of inflation to me was already anticipated by the markets and the bond yields are still acting in accordance to a global marketplace that is still other central banks are trying to deal with inflation.
0: Do you have a, um, I know that it's not explicit in your forecast, but like in your own mind, do you feel like we're going to see labor break by September, by December? But like, do you have a a time period where you think we're going to see that?
1: You just go with the trends and what's occurred is with housing stabilizing and permits slightly rising, um, we have a lot of other construction projects out there. A lot of people are just waiting for construction labor to break. There's there's nothing that actually shows the break, but it does show that the trend is getting there slowly. So you have to follow the weekly data. That's why you know I said I said you know it'll be interesting to see kind of September, October, November where jobless claims are at, but. Follow the weeklies, right? Um, if you sat and said on X date, something should happen and mortgage rates would fall and that didn't occur, then there's something wrong with the model. And I just think the financial crisis uh, with banking changed everything. But here are a few things for people to think about going out for the rest of it. Number one, student loan debt payments are coming back in October. All right, so it's there's not enough time this year maybe to have that impact the economy in a, in, a, in a in a bigger fashion, but that's something that you know the bond market would get ahead of if they if they really thought that was going to be a problem. So so when we get to October November timeframe, it'll be more interesting because whenever you're asking people to pay a payment that takes money out of their uh, uh, pockets that they weren't paying. So I, I, you know, I've I've talked about this before. If you really wanted to fight inflation, you know, one of the things you would have done is had people pay their student loan debt, because that takes money out of the system. Because asking the government to spend less, huh, good luck with that. Asking the, yeah, asking the government to say we're going to raise taxes on you, huh, good luck with that one. Also, uh, I mean, in, in, in an effective world, you could raise a social security tax, and it would take money out of the system, and nobody's going to do that. So. Uh, the only thing you had in your pocket was student loan debt payments, so um, that's why let's let's wait October, September, October, November timeframe. See see how that goes. But we have a credit getting tighter. We have the commercial banking uh, crisis and student loan debt pay. So we have things that are coming up. Uh, we'll see what they do. But the bond yields, you know, I, I encourage everybody be a nerd like me. Go look at the ten year yield. Give it a year chart. Look at four and a quarter. Right? Because who is the crazy guy in the world that said? This is a peak four and a quarter, take a black marker, draw that line all the way down to where we are today. Okay. And make sure that's not a permanent marker on your uh, desktop. Okay. Or use a, use your mouse. And then you you might get something there. You might get where I'm thinking right now. And uh, so we've obviously have not tested four and a quarter this year. We got to 4.10% on the 10 year yield. So, but just take that black line, draw it and see, hmm, something might be happening. So it is what it is, Sarah. It's it's a very complicated uh, uh, life after 2020. It was the previous cycle was so boring. It was so easy, but it was so boring. Here is just, you're dealing with a lot of variables and things that could pop out of nowhere, right? You, you know, the dollar is not as strong as it was last year. And I think for, for, for the markets, that's probably a positive thing. And things are just calmed down, you know they're just things aren't as violent as they, they were last year last year was nuts
0: last year was nuts, but I mean last year
1: was nuts, i mean especially the second half of the year i mean there was you know i mean to, to think that a, a country like the u k could lose their pension funds overnight i mean I mean imagine if that happened here in America i mean that was like that was a really big crisis uh, uh if that occurred that just shows you how fragile um Anything can be. This is why I'm not a fan of Freddie and Fannie ever becoming publicly traded companies ever again, because for all the hype of X, well, Silicon Valley Bank, First Citizen Bank, they have enough capital. It doesn't matter, man. The markets can just chop your head off in a second. And then all of a sudden, every protection thing you had needed to be uh, backstopped or, or the Fed needs to come in. And part of the thing, actually, with the Federal Reserve is that they feel very confident they can pull levers to stop any uh, economic crisis. And I think this is something that all of us need to think about in the future. I mean, COVID, they just threw every, they, they didn't throw a bazooka. They threw Godzilla and King Kong to fix the problem. And uh, <laughs> they believe they can do that if they need to. Uh, this is why they're, they're, they're confident that they can prevent a job, a major, any major job loss or that they can pull levers when, 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 needed.
0: I do think it's interesting to think about the fact that, you, um, You know, the, the Fed giveth, the Fed taketh away. The only reason we had those super low rates was because of what they did in a response to COVID, which, you know, we gave them credit for that. And as we should, because they, they kept this uh, country running. They avoided a, a giant problem. But those super low rates, right? The unintended consequences, uh, then had a, had a different, had a different outcome. And then now it's like, you know they've raised rates so much, and people are, you know, understandably upset about that. If you're in the mortgage industry, you can feel like, wow, they're just targeting housing. But the reason that we had low rates in the first place was because of the Fed.
1: You know, I, I'm I'm going to slightly disagree with you.
0: Uh, of course, do it, Logan. Of course, <laughs> just just
1: for just, just just for this one just for this one reason, uh, people don't people don't uh, know this. Uh, we had three and a quarter percent mortgage rates in the previous expansion. So it it's not like we didn't have low rates in the previous expansion. I think the this see this this becomes this becomes a really, really complicated discussion. Because on one hand, nobody believed the recovery. You know, I mean think think of it. Sarah, how many times did we have to like like we're already gone on April 2020 and trying to get people to believe that the recovery was real? Um, and then people said oh, it's an L shape, it's a W shape. Oh, we're going into recession in 2020. Nobody believed in the recovery anyway, or the sticky, stickiness of, of how some of this data was was actually getting better. It was going, it was still going to stick to us. But in 2021, uh, people thought, hey, you know, the global markets still didn't think the recovery was there, so global yields were low. Even myself, when I wrote. On February 2020, we need higher rates to cool housing because this, this is not the market of 2005. You know? But if global yields are low and nobody believes that the economy is rec- – I mean, we had to deal with forbearance. People thought home prices were going to crash because of forbearance. I mean, so I – I I mean, the, the job is we had the fastest labor recovery ever. That's a good thing, right? People working are a good thing especially when men, when men don't work, bad things happen. Right. So, uh, I just, no, it's just, we, we don't, we don't, we, 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 we want a tighter labor marketplace over, uh, always because when people are working, they're producing something, they have, they have lives. They can, when you have unemployed, especially guys, nothing good happens. So I I'm all for that. I, I, i just think the history of global pandemics have, have taught us we have a very inflationary period and then a disinflation period and we're just working our way through there but other countries are are, are having more issues than we are um so the rates staying lower for longer you know it, 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 as somebody was talking about we need higher rates we need i i the bond market just wasn't going to go they it, 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 for them to like go early and say, okay, we are we're we're gonna be hiking without the assurance of the market is. And part partly is that maybe they didn't even believe in the recovery either. Um it, looking backwards in that can be can be difficult because I know I I had to convince people in 2021 that a recovery was real. I mean, I had tons of tons of people say, oh no, this is all fake, you know, once the stimulus, so let's all remember so once the checks are done with, that's it. The US is I mean, we're sitting here in 2023 and people are arguing that the economy is too strong, <laughs> that we need to raise rates. I mean, I had people in 2021 yeah. tell you the depression is coming. So it's easy in hindsight, but I think having a tighter labor market's awesome. I mean, people working, you know, the prime age labor force for women are at all times. These are all positive things. And uh, we're working through our way through inflation and uh, but uh, higher, like the, the recovery after the great financial crisis was so slow and it's just, uh, you know, uh, uh um, even though the majority of people were always working getting, getting back all those jobs lost took years. What was it like? Six, six, seven years to get that all back here it was this very sharp. And it's, these are positive. We, we, we want a country of. People working, not working.
0: I agree with you. Um, okay. We will, we are out of time today. We will talk again next week. And obviously, um, the housing market tracker coming out on Sunday. Of course, people are going to be hearing this on Monday. Uh, but check that out because we look at purchase apps. We look at inventory and we look at more.
1: And today's Logan day. So there's, uh, if you wanted a discount code to uh, all the charts and all the nerdy work, uh, you can get it. Again, the, the the housing market tracker is designed for all of you to look forward, not backwards or on the spot. So when something turns, uh, um, you have an idea. So you're not acting like a certain economist who goes, what's going on here? It's, why are people talking about a recovery? It's Home prices have to be crashing this year. No. Follow the data, math, facts, and data. Follow learn. the
0: data, and you can get that from Housing Wire because we're using our data and Altos Research data, which is amazing. And yes, Logan Day, sign up for uh, HW Plus. Thanks, Logan. Thank you.